Hi, I'm Jeremy. I'm a dork living in Portland, Oregon, who spent too many years listening to podcasts and not doing anything creative. This is my attempt to rectify that, to create and contribute something where I talk to people about their cultural obsessions and try to give some recommendations of my own. Welcome to Giving the Mic to the Wrong Person. Hi, everybody. You are listening to Giving the Mic to the Wrong Person. I am your host, Jeremy. On a rainy Saturday uh, afternoon in late January, I uh, invited two friends here to help me, not really help me, more like we're, we're kind of, we're, we are making a, uh, and we are putting on our, uh, what our normal off mic conversations do, and just recording it for funsy, and or hopefully we can get something compelling out of it. Uh, with me today is, you want to go? My name is Natasha. Uh, I am just a girl living in the world that loves genre culture and or genre fiction i should say <laughs> and uh, particularly likes writing about it from a critical standpoint uh i'm garrett burt on air personality just i don't know what to say about myself uh I, repeat guest repeat guest Re- returning uh, guest uh, yeah. co- country music singer garrett burt and also committed leftist those things don't always come together no they don't Mm-mm. maybe that makes me interesting i don't know i think that's interesting thanks buddy and I think what I as a a slightly different uh, slightly different um, yeah I call it a slightly different aim from our the usual uh, podcast uh, podcast episode which <laughs> which of course has been so tightly uh, you know so tightly formatted and right on point and all the dozen or so things you've I've released so far instead of talking about a particular like cultural obsession it's, this is more of um, call it more of an idea was kicking around, certainly kicking around in my head, and I think uh, everybody else is too. Of uh, like problems with uh, problems with modern call it modern geek culture, you know, nerd shit as it were. In because it, after it, you know, the problems that happened that after it became dominant, you know, almost like ten years ago now. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's not a there's not there's not really a, like a niche, you know geek culture anymore i feel like no. i feel like that's gone entirely mainstream you right know what yeah. i mean uh game of thrones was the, when i first noticed it because it was like my mom watches game of thrones yeah. you know what i mean and it's like that was very much a something just nerds consumed yeah i had a co-worker 15 years say ago. that she watched it and say that uh she was glad that things aren't as bad as they used to be <laughs> they women just had it really hard back in those historic times right. when there were dragons <laughs> and <laughs> yeah <laughs> From the long view, yeah. sure. In terms of being just you know um, legally chattel uh, chattel property. Mm-hmm. 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 Well, I guess he is uh, really steeped in history, right? Uh, yeah. What's his face? The War of the Roses is yeah. George R. R. Martin. George Railroad Martin. <laughs> War of the Ro- yeah War of the Roses and uh, and the Ab- was it Abelgesian? I think that's how you call it. But yeah, that kind of um, late medieval pre Renaissance. Um, <laughs> the kind of um, if you uh, to bring in a video game aspect, if you play Crusader Kings two, it's the kind of er- the kind of era that is that game covers of you know mid late pre well mid uh, mid late re- uh, medieval period through to the Renaissance mm-hmm. and Serfdom. I think yes <laughs> yeah f- yeah the kind of yeah the, where the dominant form is uh, is feudalism. In fact, I think 
yeah, very popular mods to that game is when people started incorporating Game of Thrones stuff like into the game of like here, you now, you know, you start out as like this little duchy controlling like one aspect of land and then through intermarriage and whatever you kind of you build your empire. Hmm. That sounds nice. good times. Yeah, Indeed. I like it. All, all of my video game knowledge is, uh, you know, like died after the PlayStation 2. I, I, don't, I don't know anything about video games after that. Oh, funny you mentioned that. Uh, there's your copy of Silent Hill 2 I need to get back to you. Nice. Oh, nice. Well, you, I think you can just keep that. My, no. The odds of me ever playing it are... It's like um, my, unless it's worth money, which I'm sure it's not. Yeah. I have like a token of Final Fantasy 7. You know, all like I think I have fan, Final Fantasy 7. <laughs> That's one you know, got to hold on to. Cause but I, I think I bought it at a GameStop with the hope of playing it one day. Yep. And just... It's just still just yeah. sitting there. I had it because the uh, my roommate uh, Candace, who before she left for Michigan, I know Candace. Yeah, she had a. In fact, she was the one who I think I bought her PS2 and a bunch of games off of, and eventually just gave back. I think I gave her back. I gave her back her copy of Final Fantasy VII. Yeah, I think this is this is maybe in like five years ago or so. Just like here, you know, you had this back. You you want to you're playing like a lot of these games again. Um, enjoy it, you know. I could we could sell this for make make I don't know beard money off it, but here I think you'll yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you'll you'll fancy it much more. Candace, by the way, uh, boy, has she really blossomed in recent years? Mm-hmm. Uh, she was she was someone we knew a long time ago that mm-hmm. that struggled with some stuff in her life, and she's like doing so great. Like right. she's yeah. one of those people on Facebook that I was never like really tight friends with, but I was like n- now all her like she's so. I don't know. She's just she's just living a great life now, and it's just so yeah. it's it's so uh, it makes me really happy. Reassuring. But anyway, yeah, joined a joined a Grand Rapids uh, roller roller derby league. Nice. Sasquatch. That's her. Uh, oh, that's her, her name. Yeah, that's great. Pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty good. Um, I always wanted a roller derby name. I wanted to just um, make one up. Yeah. Helen and Handbasket. Uh, Faye Smelter was mine. Helen in a handbasket's pretty good. I think it, a lot of people use that. Though. Oh, so I went for face smelter. Face, yeah, face smelter is uh, that's 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 good. Thank you. Face smelter, yeah. It's my uh, derby name if I ever had one, or my uh, you know, chick rock, chick punk rock name. Sure, the smelters <laughs> and your face smelter. Yeah, I'm Faye, and this, these are the smelters. I love it. Okay, that's work. a show. There we go. Thank yeah, you for listening, done. everybody. <laughs> stay, yep. stay tuned for another couple of weeks when we scored out another episode. Um, oh, I think one of the uh, Natasha, one of the things off that you'd mentioned talking about your uh, the recent Sherlock finale. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a that was a really interesting clusterfuck to watch happen on Tumblr. Um, it's because I feel like we have a lot of questions around the the lack of space between creators and their fans nowadays, especially with Twitter and people, you know, harassing and trolling on Twitter is pretty normal. Um, but for social media is for, yep. So can I, can I just jump in for, (laughs) for two ticks just because I've heard something happened. I don't know what happened. I'll explain it. Yeah. Okay. Myself too. The last episode of Sherlock that I've, that I, that I saw was, I think, God, like second, like after the first episode of the second season. Yeah. After, since then, I have I haven't seen an episode. Right. I, I think I'm a, a nearly the same place you I, are. I'm I'm not really dedicated to that. I try to stay out of fandom and in general in terms of the, the major interactions because you do end up with a lot of this like echo chamber of awful. Um, but what happened was that there was, especially on Tumblr, which is definitely a rep, you know place where representation is is pushed as being 
important to pop culture and media, which I completely get behind, but sometimes they go a little too far with it. And in this case, what had happened is um, people had come up with something called the John Locke conspiracy. And what it was is that they believed that John and Sherlock would end up together by the end of the show. And so everything... Wait, wait, wait. I'm confused already. John... uh, Slash... Oh, John. Oh, so John slash Locke. Yeah, it's no. John Locke. Yeah. Okay. So it was called the John Locke conspiracy, and what they would do is they would, um, back when you know Sherlock first came out, when it's, this show's been going on for seven years, people have a lot of time to cook, especially since so it's like been. a year between episodes, seasons, or two years between seasons. So yeah, they were creating all of this writing and all of these anal- analytical videos about the future of the series, and when they got to what is appropriately the finale, and it didn't happen people have like lost their shit like huge lost their shit oh weird which is really and what's worse is that they started harassing the people on twitter and this is <gasps> this is mark gaddis who is in the show is gay you know is would have you know obviously tried to do appropriate relationship within the show if that was what they were aiming for mm-hmm. but he is now being hounded on twitter by people that are just loud and obnoxious so but it happens it happens every, every time there's something that you know where fandom want something but they don't get it nowadays it's a lot easier to see that and also to kind of be completely you know dumbfounded by the levels of stupidity people will go through in approaching that so that's an interesting take of um i should say an interesting evolution of like because we the internet and social media does do um a lot for I don't know what just jacking up fan entitlement, yeah. right? Especially because any group, um, any group of people with a shared, uh, shared, you know, with a shared, with a shared belief, uh, um, much more easy. In, you know, instead of like kind of like keeping themselves in check, mm-hmm. you'll just kind of you will you will uh, ping pong back and forth and just yeah, and you know, positive feedback bounce up. Yep. Well, t- to me, the whole thing that's so interesting about what you just said is that you have, you have now a a a fan base of people mm-hmm. that you know they're out there speculating about what's going to yeah. happen and they and it's obviously some sort of wish fulfillment yeah. you know aspect to it and when they don't get it they get angry yeah. I, that's so interesting cuz it would you know when we were when we were youngins that would never be a thing it's like there were people who created yep you know i mean i mean you know, there'd be places to vent, but they'd be these funky magazines that, yeah, you like know, they'd create you zines. Know. So, yeah, or Usenet, yeah, yeah. right. And, 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 you know, that's one of the most beautiful parts of fandom is that you create based on what you see and you like, you know, it's transformable, it's transformative work typically, right? DIY. So, I'm, not, I'm yeah. not represented there. I mean, it used to be like, you know, and, and for women, I think that it's that's the majority within that, within that group, right? It's, it, it's mostly white women and heterosexual women too or you know but you also have your representation outside of that too but you do have like a a, a huge community of people coming together to create things and to kind of bounce ideas off of and and Mm -hmm. uh, like but that definitely that feedback loop has no exit right like so if you don't have somebody going tempering disbeliefs which is what they've had to do now like this is the way that most companies operate i mean little tiny rumors get out about certain fandom franchise media and you know it propagates through this social media network where you know think about the controversy around the captain america comics earlier this year where cap was hydra well guess what it was 
you know, he was being mind controlled by Red Skull. It was a time travel thing, whatever, you know. But people got so upset about it because really? they, yeah. That's how they, that's how they resolved that? It was horrible writing. It was awful. It, 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 anyway, it was awful oh, to sorry. begin with to make Cap Hydra. But at the same token, people that don't actually, like, interact with it or actually, like, care about it got involved. And you, you kind of have this whole idea, like, people like there's a there's a whole culture of outrage going on right now in fandom, right? Like people mm-hmm, like to be mm-hmm. upset more than they like to be pleased by things. I think. Right. Yeah. So. Which the um, I think the the side effect being is like uh, the standard, the standard blog post or article post at this point. Yeah. There's not not much not, not much of a difference between a blog post and a. Uh, and like a um, you know an article post, yeah. but it's kind of now um, as someone pointed, I can't remember who pointed out, but it's kind of changed from it changed where the initial the primary desire was to provoke rather to inform. Okay, and they yeah. were you know they the writing style changed and the headlining changed changed. Yeah, totally clickbait and always. I mean, take for example the Mary Sue it used to be one of my favorite media things online, right? It's what is a, that? It's a mostly female centered view on pop culture and media. Okay. Um, and they did attack some of the important stuff that came out earlier. But nowadays, when you go to their articles, they are literally all just clickbait, right? They're just they're just l- like what's an like even you can even make up a phony funny yeah, example. Yeah. But oh like, God, like, I I wish I, I you know it's just that they'll they'll go okay, well this show is great, but uh, how many white people have you know are are all over you know like oh yeah you know yeah. or like. Um, you know, for my example, it's Star Wars. Rey is an independent, strong woman, and she doesn't need to have a relationship with anybody because she's a Jedi. And yeah, you know, like it's like there's this subtle, like like what we were saying earlier about you know tribalism and the ideas that everybody thinks that everybody thinks the same. Mm-hmm. But when you read something like that and you actually dissect it from a critical view, there's no there's nothing to it. It's it's air. You know, it's not actually providing a critical analysis of the text within the context of its creation or even caring about what it's saying, especially for feminist issues. It's been really difficult to find actual good commentary online about it. Right. Because there, there, I mean, there is. Uh, of course, there's there's strong feminist critiques to make of all sorts of things. Yeah. But uh, I think if I'm not sure if I understand what you're talking about, but because this is all very foreign to me. But yeah. It's just this, can we get upset about it? Yep. Can we find a way to get upset about it? And uh, uh, th- and if so, that's what we're going to do. Yeah. We're not going to, I don't know. I feel like I'm talking like No, a, no, you, well, you hit the nail on the head. The, yeah, the, uh, which, which um, connects into many other things. One of them, it's kind of a, is, God, I think it's, uh, Adam Curtis and a bunch of other people talked about kind of one of the, one of the um, drawbacks to how culture changed is that in the 70s, it's kind of, uh, you have, with the foregrounding of kind of like emphasis on the individual, like kind of the primary, the primary motivating factor for kind of, for working on this, for organizing or for being an act for, or, you know, being an activist or something, or even just not even like in a political arena, but the, so much emphasis was placed on the importance and the primacy of the, what, personal emotional catharsis mm-hmm. or emotional right. experience, what yeah. all became, to, yeah, the... The most important aspect was like no matter what it was that you yourself had, um, you know, had like this evocative or uh, or mm-hmm. you know evocative epiphany of this experience, and so it kind of it be, it became um, 
it degenerated and it so it just became like the separated this the it degenerated into like the separate or just detached it's and so that all just became about that you know that dopamine rush yeah. that mm-hmm. um you know that hits you know the where you'll grab whatever critical tool or not uh that that you that may or may not be uh applicable to the situation and just kind of throw that out there and you'll get the um I think I best best described it as you know sharp tools imp, uh, sharp tools employed by dull minds. Right, and and it, and it can get a lot of attention. Like like I read this isn't about pop culture, but I I read a thing in uh, um, Salon dot com a while ago, and Salon dot com has become has yeah. become a sort of uh, um, shell. It's default. Yeah, it's not very good. And but it was this it was this gal talking about you know being indian in america and like tr- and like saying like well white people are co-opting yoga and stuff like that and it's like in it, i think there's a substantial criticism to be made there but she was not making mm-hmm. it and um but but people just it, but it gets attention yeah, i don't i don't know it, it does People like so if if you if, especially around. Do the, I sound like a bigot no, right now? No, no, no. <laughs> I'm really well, afraid of it's, that. Well, it's difficult because right, it's a loaded topic from the get go. Right. right? Yeah. So and in in terms of a lot of what we see nowadays is that people are being told that they don't have a right to speak about stuff because they are within a certain mindset or a certain place, and that you know that's the kind of reactionary shit that got us Trump elected. I mean, because well, well, yeah. So, so if you don't mind me, yeah, go ahead. Like, I feel like you see a lot of people being criticized for who they are rather than what they're saying. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's what you're, if that's what you mean, but yeah. that's something that really bothers me because it's like, like I can say something stupid right now, and I want people to go like, that was stupid, and this is the reason yeah. why. You know what I mean? I don't want someone to go like, we don't have to listen to you because you're a, you're a white cisgendered hetero male. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it's like it's like that you know that really bugs me you know like like well being told that you're excluded from a conversation just based on who you are right versus what you think is is just at the heart of it is what's wrong yeah because I'm wrong about shit all the time and and, and to not I'm be probably wrong right now with whatever I'm saying yeah, yeah and we should be corrected right like when we make mistakes we should be corrected how, how are you going to learn until you actually make the mistake and get the opportunity to apologize for it instead of being cut out from the get go Right. Right. And it's almost a thing of it's kind of is eventually, um, yeah, with, with the criticisms that have ar- arisen in the last few years of just like talking about like call out, call out culture. Mm-hmm. The I think the in many people like, you know, Freddie DeBoer and a bunch of other folks have talked about how part of the a realization that hasn't really, you know, twigged to enough people is that your um the correctness or the right the righteous correctness of your moral stance doesn't mean shit for how yeah. effective or practical or, or you know how well you can communicate that it's kind of a thing where there are there are way there are ways to uh to kind of like help people grow and help people kind of like you know slowly it, it's kind of a thing where yeah it's like we have a problem with you know how do you deal with people who ain't as woke as you yeah <laughs> where and I stole that from somebody because um, you know all all call all, all communication and all co- and all culture is copying. Mm-hmm. The other thing was like about the um, going back to the Sherlock thing. I always thought that one of the one of the criticisms was just 
was it just like bad, just kind of like blah or bad bad plotting and but yeah. like, was it like on top of the between just kind of like a, a a kind of a blah outcome but you also had like the fan response on top of that or yeah it's just this it's it's the nature of television nowadays that they try to be more and more sensational right mm. like and Sherlock kind of did that which ended can, up I'm I'm sorry oh go ahead what happened. Like, can we, are we going to be a no spoilers thing here? Oh, no, let's like, spoil the shit out of this yeah, stuff. Let's spoil stuff. Well. Oh, okay. Because like, 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 I, I don't know what happened. I really don't you know, know what happened. To put it into context, okay. So it, it, the, the, that was the bigger problem, right, was the fact that John and Sherlock didn't end up together. But interspersed with that was the fact that this season was the season where they killed off John Watson's wife, Mary, who they just had a baby with, and who was, I mean, I'm going to just say this, she was seen as an as a, as a impedance to that relationship oh. coming through. And then on top of that, the last episode, you have a very touching scene between him and this character named Molly, who's um, Between awesome. who and Molly? Sherlock. Sherlock, and Molly. okay. Yeah, okay. where he's forced to say, I love you to her. It's a, He's like one of those bombed, uh, gun to the head situations. And it's all his uh, lost sister. So, you know, it's like oh. explaining it goes down a rabbit hole you probably don't want to hear about. But just watch it. It's, it's not that bad. It's not great. It's not good. But it's it's it is what it is. I liked it. So what? But what was the uproar about? The uproar was that every okay. So this is the best part. They leaked the episode in Turkey and Russia before the the you know the premiere, mm -hmm. um, the broadcast. Yep. And so what happened is people were were Russian um, hacks again. Yeah. I'm just kidding. Well, Sorry. no, they actually thought it was a fake episode. They thought it was a they thought it was a fake episode, and that they had cut out the part with the kiss between John and Sherlock, because that Russia and Turkey aren't so great about. You know, gayness. Yeah. Okay. They they really don't show it on television. I guess I don't know. Oh, Russia uh, certainly not. Yeah. I I bet Turkey certainly yeah. not as well. So the, everybody started. You know, they this the rumor mill started grinding and mm -hmm. people started believing this was true. And I swear to God, and I'm not even in the fandom. I just saw it happen, and it was just that's a proper hilarious. that's a proper conspiracy theory. Yeah, it was great. It was a conspiracy theory that they believed so much that they thought that the creators had punked them. And release an episode in Russia and Turkey, so that they would be everybody else would be surprised when they watch the show. Like they when were they watch the real the real yep. one where they yep. where they fall in love. The rumored together fourth or episode never came. <laughs> that's amazing! <laughs> wow, that's that's like, different. Like like I uh, I want to I want to I want to do the uh, the Simpsons joke where I say we're through the looking glass here, people. Yeah. yeah. Um, Thank you, Mailhouse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm astounded. Yeah, I mean, that's not even, that's just the tip of the iceberg. But that, that that's the tip of the iceberg? Yeah, the tip of the iceberg, because it's, it, it, it really, it, it's, it's a level of crazy, but it the level of crazy that, that goes so deep that hundreds of people, I mean, I, I don't have that many people I follow on Tumblr, but that, that, it saturated that element too, was just like, okay, well, this is how fandom is now. We're going to have really strong reactions to stuff based on what we wanted to see come of it. So this is a light version of that, but this is the first time I kind of noticed this sort of weird, yeah. how, fa how weird fandom has gotten is, do you, do you remember this thing that went, it went, it went on a, like, I don't know, five, six, seven years ago where someone, someone put forth this, put forth this theory when the Lord of the Rings films, we're getting a sizzle again, but, uh, Someone Cat, put this. You, Cat, what are you doing? Someone put this theory forward when the Lord of the Rings uh, series were out, mm -hmm. or they'd been out maybe for a little while. I don't fucking know. But they. Do you remember this thing where they were talking about how like there was this sort of hidden Easter egg where when when Gandalf says 
fly you fools what he actually meant was get on the eagles and go to like like go to really? mordor and like yeah and it's, it's to me that was how that's how like video game culture has infected reg you know regular uh yeah traditional culture where it's like well there's some cheat there's some cheat code you can use in movies and yeah and it's like i feel like stuff like that pops up on 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 whatever all the time where it's like yeah. a fan theory about this that or oh, the yeah. other thing I, I follow a lot of fan theories i i'm on a song of ice and fire i'm on uh i was on westworld when it was coming out that was mm-hmm. interesting because that was a real fly by night kind of everybody's theorizing and creating theories well and that show and, confuses people right because yeah. i've never seen it so and much like law almost like lost uh or at least what i remember about lost kind of like it was constructed for that there was like there were there almost like built into mm-hmm. uh because it was especially since it was like, it was serially released and supposed to just being dumped on there mm-hmm. um the um yeah it was just kind of you, you, you this sp- <laughs> and you know it's it becomes yet again where almost like a tradition the traditional tv model where you always have if you have an ongoing arc a mm-hmm. mysterious arc you know flashback to uh twin peaks uh, yeah you know rest in peace michael ferrar I know uh, Miguel Ferrar. Um, yeah. That's you know you because it's everything you it, which was re, you know recreated later on with um, well the X Files was one of the major yeah. ones for that X Files but and also shit remember just the uh, the how big True Detective was yeah right um, where it, yeah it just kind of like it allowed people and like I said at some point it becomes fun. Yeah, and because it's like you let people, it allows people just to get you know because people are always going to get you know it, uh, the modern form of water cooler yep. conversations, and um, it allows people to engage with it and become it become it becomes a shared, much like sports, a shared cultural thing that's not politics uh-huh. that you can talk about you know you can do a, right. you yep. can do almost like a targeted uh, a, a small talk with small talk with a topic because it's popular enough. right yeah. yeah. That's and that's what I've noticed about it as well. Is like there's this, well, if we're not going to talk about sports, yeah, and we've gotten past the weather, we're going to talk about whatever TV shows we're watching, right? Yeah. And and this 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 gives up enough enough grist for the conversational mill, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly, and and it, I, I for one, I'm sick of it. Like like yeah. I I I'm not watching TV shows anymore. Not because I think there's anything wrong with it, but just because it's like. I want to take in something else because I feel like we're kind of entertaining ourselves to death. Like we, we, we're not engaging in our society in a way uh, uh, that is needful and we're just watching TV. Yeah, we're (laughs) definitely a generation of escapists, I feel like. I, I feel like for us especially, like, I mean, I, watching shows weekly, just having the Netflix model now where you can watch all seasons of right. a show and it's great but the engagement is kind of gone right like we don't uh, the past media stuff is 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 just floating out there in the ether and you know it, it there's some value there but everybody's kind of in the minute right like this is how oh, oh sorry someone someone demands attention I love um yeah, there's we're a being, strange cat. Yeah, we're room. being joined by uh, new addition to new addition to Apartment Studios, uh, Cali Cat, who will probably attach a photo of at some point. But well, I think the it's not so much just the, the I think it's just that not a a, um, a necessarily reduction of engagement. I think it's just a different form. Yeah, and I think that there are the similar with like the um, the amusing ourselves to death. Which yeah. I probably should finish reading that book. Um, 
it's not you know i think that's been an that has been you know since uh since uh mass since mass media has been a thing i think i think i think but the the kicker is that in times past it has not um we've already, we've had enough other aspects to uh to compensate so it wasn't just the mass media consumption um you know, you had much more of like, you know, people had more political uh, right. activity in their lives. And, 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 yeah. I, and I think that's what I'm talking about is like now if you just express a political opinion at all. Right. People get uncomfortable because I think one, they haven't ever fucking thought about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And two, it's just impolite to talk about politics. And it's like that really that's troublesome. I think it's also to what kind of politics do you want to talk about, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and, yeah, I guess that's a good point because yeah. we were just talking about how there's a lot of actually political talk. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's a lot of like how much of the crew of, or how much of the the cast of this show. It's is. mostly around identity politics because we right. all, we can all agree that representation matters and that people need more pop culture with more people that represent them, right? Right. But a wider same, palette. Yeah, but. wider palette. But that becomes the only conversation, right? And and, and, and that's something I want to get to the bottom of. I, I I I legitimately do. You know what I mean? But I feel like every time I read about it, I'm like. I'm already I'm already lost. Well, you know? yeah, you know? and two, like the like the ninety percent of the stuff that's out there is just bullshit. Honestly, mm-hmm. like we all know that. Like, well, Stur- you know, uh, former Oregonian, you know, Stur- Sturgeon's Law uh, is always in effect in shit. You know, yeah. always in effect in in all areas of everything. So yeah, I don't know what Sturgeon's Law is. Ninety five percent of everything is crap, or ninety five oh. ninety five. What is it? It's something like yeah, ninety five percent. 90 to 90, uh, fuck that up, 90-odd percent of anything is crap. Yeah. Right. Um, from former Eugene resi- uh, resident and classic sci-fi author Ted Sturgeon. Nice. Okay. So I have a bit of a theory on this. And what I th- my theory is, especially when you look at, at a social media with a younger user base like Tumblr, is that they're just figuring the world out. But they're not figuring the world out by the world that is around them because the world that is around them, you know, objectively sucks right so i'm going to take the one thing that matters to me most which is pop culture or media and i'm going to turn the lens on that and then in, if i don't have anything to complain about in that realm then i'll start complaining about the fans in my own fandom oh. that aren't doing enough to politicize this content right, right. instead of asking about like you know real politics which is is completely devoid from the conversation because this is so foreign to me like like you know like i was never all that plugged in you know what i mean and i'm i'm still not like i my you know my web avoid it i don't no no (laughs) well okay but um my web activity is very like probably what my a little bit more than like what my dad does you know like there's certain blogs that i read you know i go on facebook of course i look at twitter Mm -hmm. There's a, a, a cadre of podcasts I listen to, and then I don't have any connection to it. Yeah. And then there's these young people, you know, you know, you know, 10 years or more younger than me, and their their whole lives have been, yep. you know, in the mix. And, and they have this whole, I think they have this whole uh, consciousness that I, that I don't have. Yeah. And I'm not saying that in a positive or negative way. It's just like the way that they experience the world is very different than the way I, I do. And, yeah. and so it, it leads to things like, well, I'm watching this thing and now I'm criticizing mm-hmm. 
or or just not criticizing it in the correct way, right? Right. I don't even yeah. know. It, yeah, it becomes a, a lot of time a lot of the performative like superficial hang-ups happen there and but I am really concerned about this this idea that people seem to largely be influenced by you know how they're being entertained and they and they cast um they cast their understanding of reality within that context of their right. entertainment. It's it's yeah. almost the reverse of what it used to be. Like like like, you know, you went and experienced reality and it was scary or it wasn't or what it was whatever it was and then you went into entertainment to to have a respite or yep. whatever. Escapism, but, but yeah. It's a release, right? From the rigors and pressures of reality. Right. It's <laughs> it's the sort of the, the low grade drug of 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 nowadays is just like we need to just be perpetually amused by something. Yeah. And like a louder opiate of the masses. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. And, and we need, you know, and we need to sort of like, we're at a time where we need to be more conscious. We need to, we can actually create a, 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 a world that's more just and all that stuff. And we're not doing it because we're just so, I mean, in a sense, it's self-involvement. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, because whatever you like in entertainment is kind of something that's reflected back upon mm -hmm. you that makes you feel you know uh, whatever uh yeah like it, you're part of the part of the show so to speak there's so much of it too like you can find whatever niche you want in it and and i, I think mostly it's just about the idea of this like kind of slack slacktivism right what stupid buzzword from a couple of years ago but kind of present in the sense that we don't have we don't have people going outside of those spheres and saying this is the world as it is and how can i actually change it right right i don't think people even yeah i don't think they even know they how it's yeah and it's and it kind of gets to i think the original uh, almost getting near the original idea that i had kicking around in my in almost in my standard unformed way in my head of the and it goes back to the not just the inaccurate kind of the, the just the, the bad attempts at critiquing something, mm -hmm. but also the um, again back to the idea of like just mindless consumption of um, the unawareness that you of um, the unawareness that this is something that needs to be done. Like once in a while, you'll hear a video game podcast where they actually will bring up the uh, they'll talk about. You know, they'll talk about monetization mm -hmm. in a in a way that doesn't just mean you know the the extra little in-app purchases that you can do on you know in a, on a phone game yeah. that they need it. You know, they they'll use just to suck an extra ninety nine cents out of you. It is a sense. Um, it's because you know it goes back to because you know uh, like you know geek and nerd is are, are very 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 new identities mm -hmm. and as that that the uh, the i can't remember the author but the piece uh, one of the pieces in jacobin taught wrote you know wrote about like four years ago is how it's it is a, it's an identity it's a modern identity where it is you are identifying not through national national origin through uh through class or through you know ethnicity or um or job or um, religion it is you know you I your identity is through the the genre entertainment the pop culture you buy yep right and um, and it becomes a thing and I think part of it is it becomes a big even bigger of an even bigger aspect where because genre entertainment has been a thing has been a thing for you know for, 
I guess for not, if not quite forever. I mean, novels have been around majorly since like what the early nineteenth century, yeah. yeah, or there about you know just to give it a fit. And then you had, uh, and then eventually you had the uh, you know the evol- I don't know enough. Uh, I don't know enough liter- uh, literary history to know when genres as like specific things like sci-fi like so, yeah you'd probably be looking at the early 20th century for that right right and probably late 1800s because when you yeah. think about when like conan doyle was writing and that sort of yeah. stuff like mm-hmm. that you had genre fiction there but like so let's say like but was it considered genre fiction like this is a kind of this isn't just like a this isn't just kind of a book this is a book of this type this is a mystery i i think that yeah, that was the proto. Okay. The mm-hmm. proto. I I would guess. Sort of like the you penny know. dreadful kind. I of would like, say in the twenties. Yeah. Is, is that what you said? Yeah, like like the tens, twenties era would be when you start to get this kind of, so, you know, solidification. Yep. Right. I think so because that's when you know Lovecraft was writing. Yeah. That's the, when, it, okay. Yeah. That's definitely when the, the pulps. Early, the, yeah. Pul- uh, Dashiell Amer- Hammett was yeah. probably writing Western, in the twenties. Western pulp culture. Yeah. Right. And then Louis L'Amour. I don't know when he wrote, but. Uh, I don't know where he wrote. He wrote forever, but I don't know when he started. Right. So that's what I mean. So, but I mean, I think the Western was probably already solidified by then, but I don't really know. Uh, But anyway, 10 teens, you know, 1900, early 1900s. Yeah. The long, long ago, the before time. And, but one of the things that I can remember reading about is that like problems in what almost, what always bothered me, you know, being someone born, you know, it's like I turned 40 last year. So like into this stuff for years and definitely remember, you know, how it was in the 80s, which is like when Patton Oswalt wrote, the, wrote, you know, wrote the the thing that his kind of like ill or unformed um, negative response to a lot of the stuff complaining about this. I think a few years back that got a lot of shit about the um, it's like before it became before when it was still ni- when subculture or niche culture be- mm-hmm. before it became culture before it won. Yeah. Uh, when you had to actively go out and search the stuff as opposed to just being, you know, dumped on you with a snow shovel yeah. and you had to avoid it, um, you know, <laughs> similar, you know, similar to porn where at one point <laughs> you had, it's kind of a thing where for, you know, forever you had to go out to the woods to find it. Yep. And now it's like, now we have to, now the, uh, God, what was it? Uh, I think Chris Rock went, was making a joke about how now, you know, you have to like have like special programs to keep it off, you know, to keep right. yourself yeah. away from, to keep it off of your damn computer. Yeah. Um, like that back in the, but it's like growing up with the stuff, and it's always. I think eventually, especially like especially in the '90s, you know, as I you know got all you know be, you know went through great you know finished high school and 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 headed off to Ann Arbor to go to school, and became much more aware of it of the it was became more and more aware of the idea of the the uncritical the just the the uncritical just endless mm-hmm. consumption of it, which Dashiell Hammett talked about and wrote in the, in an essay back in I think it was either the I gotta track down the original year, but it was an essay either in the twenties or the thirties talking about the problems with with uh, with genre entertainment mm-hmm. and uh, that as he as he wrote the you know the the mediocre you know the average mediocre novel doesn't get published yeah the the mediocre detective novel does yeah right so you can't be a fan of something unless you take everything as it is right i yeah. think that's that's definitely a part of it, it is it's not just yeah it is that it's almost like a, like a like the next step mutation perversion permutation of it of mm-hmm. not just 
um, you know, for, you know, for one's own self. It's like, I, you know, I so love these genre trappings and everybody has, you know, you know, be, mentally beaten because when I read something set in this fictional worlds, you know, you're in the, you know, whether it has like dragons or vampires or mm -hmm. spaceships or zombies or whatnot, you know, so into this world that at some point the, the desire or the enjoyment of mentally existing in this environment where these genre tropes are overwhelms any sort of i don't know what critical sense yeah. or critical capacity critical yeah. capacity it's yeah. like i don't you know i that was the, that was always the you know it started where um i think it, maybe, maybe it just it maybe it really did start with the pulps of hey we don't you know of just tr <laughs> almost a sense of like of like creative pornography of just you just satisfy that urge yeah. of like i need like you know i need like horror lovecrafty shit and like that's it that's all i need I, you know standards yeah well and that's what the way i feel about like and i'm not in this world yeah. so i'm sure there'll be a lot of uh, uh pushback on this but that's what i feel about like 85 percent of anime like yeah to me it's just like people like it and they just consume it Whole like, country it, likes yeah. it so well but <laughs> yeah. i mean but you know what i mean like yeah. people that get really into anime i f i feel like they just get into it and yeah. i watch it and go this just seems really silly to me or just or really strange yeah and and it could just be my outsider you know you know perspective but i i think that it's just they they get to where they like that world so much, right? Mm -hmm. That or the, the tropes in the, the environment, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The style. yeah. It's the mindless consumption of content for sure. I mean, and you see that a lot with TV shows where you know the they, they go on and on and on, and then you end up with these divides about whether or not you know is this good, is this bad? Do I like it? Do I not? Mm -hmm. You know, and who does everybody like it? If nobody likes it, then you know we're obviously all in agreement here, right? But yeah, no, it, it becomes just like, yeah, give me whatever and just give me whatever is in this franchise and I'll be happy. Well, like, do you guys remember that movie? It came out uh, three, four years ago called Room 237. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was about people's sort of fan theories about The Shining. Reading way too right. into it. Cutting to, well, it's effectively cutting together or I should say just assembling, compiling what, like eight YouTube YouTube fan right. theories. In fact, no, it was. It really was. Oh it God. was fan theory. The movie. This, you know, you do enough. What like pot or? I mean, I'm trying, like, I don't mushrooms or DMT. I don't know much about that, but certainly. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's like you get you get high enough and start talking. Yeah. Um. Or maybe if you know you're of the bent where you don't even need chemical stimulation and just hear all of the um the weird fan theories. Well, so and and here's what like I saw that movie. I enjoyed it well enough. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, but. But what I thought about it was that I, it's amusing, but it's really not that interesting. Yeah. You know, like it, like it's amusing to watch for the duration of the film, but it's not. It there's, it's not compelling in and of it, itself. It's or? just it, there's just the substance really isn't there. Yeah. Like for instance, like I was surprised that that like Freud was only brought up once, and I'm not saying like Freud needs to be a touchstone for every, no, you know, but but what. What I am saying is that it's like the, these they had these pie in the sky theories that really weren't like substantiated at all. Well, they didn't have any they didn't have any tie to traditional sort of uh, uh, strands of thought okay. that go through back they in didn't history. Add to the actual <clears throat> message or symbolism of the movie, maybe or because I, uh, I see that all the time. I mean, you have the whole idea of like the no prize, right, from Marvel, like. Oh, where yeah. You, where, you, where you find something and you explain it 
and if it, it, you know it, it doesn't add anything to the story but it's yeah just, i mean i guess i guess the way i saw that movie was i i had heard it hyped up a lot and then and the way i felt about it was it was amusing enough entertaining enough but at the end of the day it really didn't have any meat you know what yeah. i mean there was really nothing to chew on that that was my takeaway from mm-hmm. it was that like it was just it was an interesting sort of look at and i don't even know if they were really like being critical of you know how this fan culture comes up i really i really don't know what the point of the movie was but not that it had to have a point but yeah just if if you have one hamster wheel and you keep turning and spinning on it you're gonna find something but it might not necessarily mean anything to anybody that watches the movie i just don't think it's worth taking very seriously and i and i guess that's the way and and to me that movie encapsulates a lot of the way people talk about media nowadays where it's like all these like theories and yeah and 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 it's like okay fine well 95 percent of it is bullshit but it's not it's not a real interesting critical theory of a piece of a piece of culture you know what i mean yeah it's. I think for yeah the two the the I think the two things that I have to it is one is it is a almost one a thing of I think the documentarians were really like the point of the movie was much more about wasn't that necessarily the the the, the um really about the ba- the content of each person's particular like each person they talked to like their take more of like this is of more of the mechanism more of the phenomenon of that you have this is you know you have this movie which has become a common thing mm-hmm. and was just the film was made in such a way that had certain plenty of little gaps that people could come to it with their own pre-existing everything well, and fit their own little bits together to try to string yeah. together and it was about it was about um, it was about the pra- the mechanism or the practice of people fitting together, you know, trying to come up with this like, overlaying take on it, trying to explain it to and, themselves. And yeah. and that was the actual interesting thing about the movie, mm. right? So it was it was that you've got this unusual, awesome movie, and this is how people interpret it. Yeah. But what I noticed is that when I would talk to people about it, and I didn't talk to a shitload of people about it, but the people I did talk to about it, they actually wanted to talk about the theories themselves. Yeah. Does that make you're right? Yeah. Which, does that track? Which, yeah. Which, to me, the theories are like whatever. Just throw them away. It's almost yeah. They're yeah. almost arbitrary and kind of like whatever, you know, moon landing shit. And here's here's right. here's evidence for it in the film. And I feel yeah. like that's what people want to talk about. And I feel like that in microcosm is kind of what what Natasha's that's been talking my, about. My life right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like we don't really want to talk about the interesting sociological aspects of this phenomenon. Yeah. It, what we want to talk about is what the people are talking about. I think and, too, it's a, there's a lot of projection going on typically, right? Like you want to add importance to something that you love, and you want to create meaning for it out of how you personally connect to that media. I am of the idea that that is not the correct way to speculate on stuff, but I'm kind of an asshole that way. Um, But in the same token, like, yeah, you you get this, this kind of, like, echo chamber of how people want to see the... I mean, we were talking about this earlier with the Mary Sue concept, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, as personally, like, for me, I got into Star Wars fandom because of having, because I felt like it was necessary to fight that kind of generalization of the first female heroine that was a primary character in Star Wars, right? Are you talking about... Ray? right? Okay. Yeah, so after that movie came out, and it's not a, it's not a perfect movie, it's not a great movie, but I mean, I'm part of that fandom now because I'm so kind of obsessed with it, and just Star Wars in general right now, um, was just realizing that 
this whole portion of the audience didn't know how to handle criticism of that character, much less the movie itself. And when they did criticize the character, it was obvious that they were doing it from the lens of, it's a woman, and she doesn't fit the model of Luke that we want her to. Or she's, you know, or she does, and we're just going to project everything that we love about Luke onto her, and she's, you know, our connection to that character. So there's just what you find a lot with this theorizing especially in modern media is that you know people are just looking for either they don't know how to speculate and so they just create crack theories that just you know they get hundreds of youtube videos of those just coming out like oh my god whose father is this character and this is this is the clickbaity shit it's actually going into our modern media that's why like my friends have been interviewed by the atlantic and the new you know the new york times and they're just in theorizing on this stuff is because that is seeping up not just from this kind of small niche community that loves it but into the popular media where your parents are clicking on those links and you're you know <laughs> yeah and, it, and it's kind of like you have a cultural inability to um think or that you know be to, so out of practice or never educated to like coming up with a take on this stuff yeah that's um even like the people, even like the who are always the traditional gatekeepers. I guess side yeah. effect of like the loss of central central <sighs> media authority. The who were the, the gatekeepers, the, who are people who are now the gatekeepers have either either lost the ability or are under such pressure to uh, make up for you know what is you know just the completely just the destruction of of, um, news of, of news journalism in the last in the last 20 years it's kind of like they've had to go for this stuff because um this is what gets like i said it's if journalism was always about what you know what gets eyeballs then the um then um it's kind of like even more shallower or stripped down or irrelevant than it was even way back when. Yeah. Um, one of the, uh, I think the other, well, the other thing about fa- about fan theories that I, that I always had a problem with. And, um, and like I said, I listened to the crack podcast a lot when they have like David Wong, AKA oh, yeah. Jason Pargin on there. You talked about how the, you know, because what annoys me is I say this being a person who has a podcast talking about, you know, problems with, pop culture is but the almost an almost like pretentious wankery of of needing to oh there's an obsessive need to kind of like fill in all the gaps of whatever and so you have to start you start getting not only do you get like um you know fan theories which was before just kind of this this fun little this fun little thing but it now has become such an established thing that even you know that plenty of you know cracked or av club or right even like you know some of the better pop culture sites are now like routinely um you know hey this fan this fan theory says xxx x x and x which drove me nuts because it's kind of a thing of you it's um it'd be it's making a thing out of something you don't really need you don't need this extra you know this extra feeling thing it's kind of um yeah there there you know almost like there's this come the, the the example that Jason Pargin uses was that so many people felt um, not victimized, but certainly felt taken by Fight Club and Sixth Sense mm-hmm. that all of a sudden it be, it be there became this defensive need to get you know to get out. It's like you know, here you know it's uh, uh, like almost not wanting to be victimized or being a victim or anything. It's like 
so like oh yeah, I'm gonna get out in front of this movie, and then I and it's like you can't enjoy the movie. You have to put yourself against. Yeah. You know, you have to put yourself against the work. That hey, I'm you know I'm um, you know I I I'm deliberately putting back this you know, it's it's using like almost like cynicism as you know like pointless cynicism, but treating that as if that were um considered wisdom. Yeah. So are you saying? So, because I'm not familiar with a lot of things you just referred to, but like, are you saying that people try to pick out flaws and things, uh, no. or, or 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 vagueness in in? They a, were trying like, to highlight under the like terms when you're of like. When you're talking about Fight Club, for example, like what what did you mean by that? When when uh, imagine uh, because in 1999 you had two major films. Mm-hmm. Uh, where the the quality of the film, regardless, because of the the climatic twists, were effectively the the linchpin right. on which their yeah. their cultural weight impact whatever revolved around centered on. The main thing was because of, because of these twists that um, because of this, it's almost like. You know, certain people could, didn't like the fact that they fell for the twist. Yeah. Oh. And it become and it be, so it becomes a thing of them putting themselves against the movie of like and then in fan theorizing, which was just kind of this cute thing of like, mm-hmm. well, it, you um, it, almost like you know, almost like how uh, online conspiracy theory hunting has become a thing of yeah. um, but more so than ever was before, and like completely regardless of like how many valid. Um, conspiracies are actually out there. It becomes a thing of like trying to, um, trying you know, uh, an obsession with an obsession, an obsession born out of defensiveness, mm-hmm. out of a, out of a, out of a, out of an, out of your, uh, out of a negative, out of an apprehensive, out of an apprehensive, yeah. uh, def- you know, trying like I'm not going to get taken by this movie. You're gonna, you know, this screenwriter is not going to one up me. Yeah, I will. You know, I have to. I will. I you can't know. enjoy the story like that. Yeah, it's like I'm going to. You know, I'm going to put myself against this thing, and it's like what this is all really about is because of this or this this so fan theory. Like what what is presented to us is not what's going on. It's really about this or. That's so interesting because like yeah. I, you know, I watch a movie like that, and it and that's fun to me to be like, oh, it tricked me. You know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. Uh, and, and that's a that's a perspective I guess I just don't appreciate where it's like you feel I guess what you feel dumb so you feel no and I think you know there's a there's or those you, types, well you can feel dumb and then there's me that as I I like I I like looking at writing from a meta perspective I want to know the fundamentals of what is going into it and what how the how the story is being told, right? From especially from like a, a narrative standpoint. If you look at like story structure. Yeah. I want to see the bigger picture. And that's why I do all the theory and speculation stuff. I don't really actively present theories as much as just critique them because I mean like that. Um but you, and, you know, it, it's it, there's a critical anal- analysis and presentation of a work and then there is the continued misinterpretation of it that goes around with that, right? Like I I feel like I get into it so that I could just say no to misinterpretation because there's a lot of misinterpretation that goes on to the point where you get these kind of swarms of people that think some one way about something and don't realize that there's a completely different perspective on it. Right. right. And and to me it, it it seems like that should just be regarded as like cuz I don't think there's anything wrong with the you know the the the, the you know constructing theories around no. stuff. I I don't think it's it's a it's a big deal. The problem I have is it should be considered like I don't know for this might be sort of a salacious characterization, but it, it should be thought of as largely 
uh, masturbatory. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Like, well, like yeah. I said, it's not so much. I think my yeah. And the problem that I have it is it not. It's not just that people are make their own fan theories. It is the fetishization of it. It something yeah. about this is it, this is now a, become a valid and big standard things that we need to have. That's. Um, but without the ability to figure out, you know, does anything, does any of this correspond with reality? Or, yeah. you know, is there any validity here? Does your argument, uh, be, you know, bear any weight? Do, or is it just kind of like weird? It's, it's almost it, like it a seems thing like it's just unmoored sort of uh, speculation or, right. or, yeah. uh, uh, but it's almost, but in, yeah. in it, unmoored, unmoored speculation, but almost like some of the arguments or some of the, th some of the theories concocted are almost completely, you know, uh, deliberately targeted and completely against like what the actual like what the actual yeah. thing is about. Yeah, it's like it's about this, but really, it's what's going on here is this thing that's that you know is unsupported and it's completely it's mm -hmm. you know your take could not be more wrong. Yeah. Now, now whose take? Are you speaking from the voice of the of the theorizer, or are you speaking? From your own, no, this is this is my own take, my my own voice of of responding to, um, responding to you know this to the or the article that, that you know death death to tabula, but the little tabula ins auto auto inserted auto auto linked you know this fan theory about such yeah. and such will blow your mind and yeah. like no fuck you um you know yeah just total fuck stop you. you know stop breathing right now yeah. so what do y'all think because because I feel like you guys know way more about this than I do. What do y'all think the uh, impetus behind that is? Like, it's 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 basically. I think it boils down to wanting to see a story that you connect with and you like. Like I think I brought this up earlier, but I'm using the Star Wars fandom as a as a generalization. Um, I know a lot of people, especially older gentlemen, did not like The Force Awakens, and I think they liked Rogue One better. Did you? I haven't seen Rogue One yet. It's they're they bad nerd. I think that they um, both films are. It's kind of a thing where they both ex they are they both excel at different things. Yeah, exactly. Where uh, and some of the it's almost a thing where if only they could have been, you know they could have taken the the best bits of both mm -hmm. and kind of taken and like scrapped out some of the the bad aspects. You would have you know the support you know the work would have been just kind of like would, would have stood up with the uh, the original trilogy but so yeah. so are you saying that that basically like a lot of this what a lot of this hinges on is taking something that you like and making it about you yeah oh okay. oh absolutely yeah okay. yeah and my my whole thing and i and you know i i don't know what your opinion on this is i'm just gonna out myself i don't think ray is luke's kid and that's a huge huge assumption that almost all of the star wars fandom is already. i don't have an opinion about it yeah i don't care if she's luke's kid uh yeah uh and and why this was important to me especially was because i felt like the people that were promoting it were completely ignoring the fact that she was an independent character and that she has her own story to tell and mm -hmm. also if you were part of the speculation on it and you know the spoilers you know there's nothing possible that leads in that direction but they even knowing that people that knew that would continuously harass and and um so we, actually, ad hominem insult everybody that brought up a theory that was against that. Right, and that's I think that's part of the thing yeah. is the it's not just it is not just the take. Yeah. It is the um, it is the I don't know weaponization of the take. Yeah. It is the uh, the it's part part of the problem that I have with more uh, part of the uh, the downside of like you have a lot of people learning about the, all this great critical theory, but 
using like all the worst the worst habits of internet message board culture it's kind of like again sharp yeah. ideas use you know there is critical work that needs to be done with this stuff but it is carried out in like the dumbest way possible yeah Th that's the way it seems to me yeah maybe that maybe this has always been a way but do it but i just say because i grew up on <laughs> i mean I've, I've had a modem since uh since i was 14 yeah so i had bb you know bbs it was on i was on bbs's and usenet from the early 90s onward mm -hmm. yeah um so that means you filtered through a lot of awful stuff right and you, i am the same i feel the same and it's, it's just never going to go away it's just a matter of if people believe that the status quo is one way that doesn't that, that actually actively discourages people that have alternate viewpoints to promote their own ideas and to challenge these ideas right and just and just the the existence of someone with the contrary well the resistance resistance the existence mm -hmm. of anybody with the contrary take or not a contrary um with n anything there we go yep. anything other than a, than perfect agreement is personal attack yep. there we go oh yeah that's it right there yeah so and that's what i'm talking about is 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 this uh, or had had talked about earlier is this tendency to make disagreement about ideas somehow criticisms of either either if you're being if you're if someone's disagreeing with you you're you're interpreting that as some sort of rejection of who you are as right. a person yeah. uh, or or vice versa it's it's you don't have to be listened to because you're this sort of person. Yes, you know what exactly. I mean. And, yeah. and I, I don't know if that's what you're talking about Jeremy but that's, oh, no, I think that's part of it but but it's also yeah again it's kind of the um Critique equals crit criticism, which equals personal criticism, which means personal attack. The um, when you identify with so much with the shit you like, and it's great to like some stuff, but it's a, mm -hmm. but it becomes a thing where, um, and it gets in. We're running out of time, so I can't get into like the fact that I think plenty of people still operate out of like an eight, a, a 70s or 80s cent, no, an 80s sense of like. Uh, needing to you know we need to support the stuff because otherwise it's going to go away oh, yeah. because this 80 sense of scarcity that if you don't want and go see this this genre entertainment or support we we need to watch this this shitty superhero show otherwise it's going to go away <laughs> like no so the you know this is this is called you know nerd culture is culture right um, yeah. that um but it's because people get so into it that any criticism because you know uh, I uh, I identify with uh, you know I identify with this band so much that anybody who attacks this band for whatever reason is now is because I tie my identity into it now attacking me yeah and the internet yeah. and the, the internet uh, you know ex um, just exacerbates that and exacerbates okay. all the worst aspects well yeah that's why because I remember that being young before I definitely did not have access to the internet and if i don't know if someone criticized black sabbath or something i would get really mad about it but it's <laughs> yeah. like, it's one it's not worth getting mad about but but i do feel like the internet you know really um um uh you know sort of sort of uh, uh encourages that I can make this all about me, you right? Know, yeah. Like, like uh, I am Black Sabbath or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it, uh, Name three of their albums, the last song. Yeah, and if and, right, and if, yeah, and if you and if you cannot, and it's, anybody else comes up to it, if you cannot, uh, if you cannot immediately jump to their, uh, they're calling you out on, uh, you know, there, there, you know, there was like, you know, prove your, you know, prove your shit. It's like yeah. you have to, you, you, you know, you're, uh, you have to answer me these questions three. Uh, right. You are, you know, you are. Therefore, you're not a real fan. A, a, uh, AKA, you know, you are invalid. Your tastes are valid. Your your preferences are not valid or nor welcome. Yep, exactly. And you know, 
not to like bring it back to whatever, but I really feel that as a woman, you know, finally kind of getting into fandom for the first time, it's really, really apparent that people's status quos are in their minds all the time when they're interacting with um, people, especially younger people, right? What do you mean? Let, let yeah, me, I want to... I example, or uh, can you tease that out a little? Okay, um, so for example, if you were to go to one of the... So here's a, here's a real example, right? There's a major Star Wars news board, the Jedi Council forums, and when The Force Awakens came out, they had a huge surge of people coming in to enter into that, right? And um, primarily these this audience was female because we really loved the story and we identified with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you saw this very critical backlash. And so the most the uh, thread that's been viewed six million times, right, got shut down and they told us to just leave because they didn't want to hear any more of our speculation and theories because we weren't aligned with the status quo idea you of were, things. You were all interlopers. They're all new fans. Yeah, new fans. You are all in, uh, interlopers and thus yep. and thus uh, the take your take or and our opinions were invalid and unwanted. Exactly. Yeah, you're like outlanders and children of the corn. Yep. You yeah. should put that what I love that, <laughs> Outlander, Outlander. It's not a good movie, but no, uh, I watched it. It's great. It's it's, it has, it's, it's the l- perfect cheese. I it, love it. It has Linda Hamilton in it. That's oh, the weird. I know. And, I forgot and, she was and yeah. wait, it's not Courtney B. Vance. What Who's was the, the name re- of the kid? Ezekiel or like... now that kid's a good actor. Whoever played, uh, yeah, I think it's Ezekiel, isn't uh-huh. it? Which one? The, uh, the the leader kid or the red haired kid? The leader kid. The leader. The leader. That's the weird thing. The leader kid went on to play cousin it. Oh. And I think used some of his money to God. What was it? It was <laughs> lives in lived in New York. Live, still lives in New York. Played cousin. It lives in New York, and I might I'm probably like confusing that maybe like two or three different IMDb bios together. But it's something like after nine eleven was using some of it using his like cousin it money to uh, for like local charitable educational uses. uses oh, good uses, for him. Uses, That's great. Whatever. All right, and speaking of cousin it, uh, does anyone have any recommendations of new stuff they've really been digging? You know, I I thought about this uh, the other day, and I forgot what I wanted to recommend. So if somebody else has a recommendation, <laughs> I'm sure I'll remember mine. Uh, well, podcast has been kind of difficult. I've I've gotten into imaginary worlds, even though they're 20 minutes long, and I need longer podcasts. Um, and obviously, I love Chapo Trap House. And everybody listening, uh, go to Patreon and spend the $5 to get the extra episodes. They are completely worth it. She's right about that. And also, music-wise, there's lots of good stuff coming out. Recently, they came out. Uh, have you heard the Portland band On? A-A-N? Nah. No. I recommend them. They're local. They're wonderful. They came out with an album a couple months ago that I can't stop listening to. So I will recommend uh, a, a horror film that I watched with my 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 lady uh, a friend of the show, McKendry Thompson. Mm-hmm. It's called Hush. It is on. Oh yeah, I've heard. It things. is on Netflix. It is excellent. I will say this: that we tried to watch it once, and I was stoned. And there is a very difficult to watch scene in the first fifteen minutes of the movie, um, and I was like, I cannot. I cannot do this. Yeah. Um, but we went back to it, got past that scene, and that movie is excellent. Like it is an excellent horror film, um, w- which is like it's part of a new sort of uh, change in horror. I mean, all sort of 
I mean, for lack of a better word, slasher movies are about, you know, a woman being persecuted by some killer, yeah. right? This is one of those films. But there's been a turn lately where where it, they're more evenly matched. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's a sort of that's a sort of theme of the film itself. And the way that this movie deals with that is really interesting and really fun. And it's just great. Nice. It's it's a, like if you a, like horror films, that's you could do a lot is worse. Is it sort of like the Last House on the Left, like um, revenge fantasy kind of thing, or is it? You know, no, uh, okay. no. Um, I, I I think that like uh, recently a, a movie that that I think typifies the sort of thing I'm talking mm-hmm. about really well is a movie called Your Next, and they okay. do it in a really fun way, almost in an action movie sort of way in that movie, mm-hmm. but it's gory enough that you could still call it a horror film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's you know it's tense enough that you can still call it a horror film. But this movie, I don't know how to put it. It's like it's like the the female character is being pursued in the normal sense, but you you get this you get this more of like oh these people are to some degree evenly matched. Nice, I like that. And the way that she sort of get you know garners the strength to to combat this person. Um, attacking her is 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 fun and and really uh, interesting. Nice. Yeah. So anyway, I like I, I, I highly recommend it. Good. My my wrecks are well. First, the after his he's been popping up a lot more places lately. But um, finally started watching Adam Curtis's stuff, who is a British. Huge fan. Jur- Huge fan. Uh, yeah, m- the vast majority. Of, if if you're listening to this, you know who, you probably know who Adam Curtis is. Over him before, he is a British journalist, essayist, filmmaker, mix of the thing who puts out a lot of you know makes these little like kind of document documentaries that'll usually run you know like I think to, when you're when all the episodes are run together because they air them in episodic format on. Um, on the BBC, there'll be like you know four hours long. He just had a he three just, to three to four hours. Three wow. to four, yeah. He just had one that came out in late in um in like fall winter of last year called Hypernormalization. Free Quite timely, YouTube. yeah, uh, 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 <laughs> yeah. Uncomfortably timely, yeah. yeah. When when you get to the end of it, yeah. He had an he had an earlier one called The Power of Nightmares, but the one that we've been watching lately is The Century of the Self. Love it, mm-hmm. which is one that he came out with in uh, in I believe O two. About it's kind of it starts with uh, I think Sig- Sigmund Freud, but more importantly his children taking mm-hmm. uh, and his relatives rather taking his work and applying it to. Applying it to social control through governments right. and through uh, through public relations. He was a man called Edward Bernays, the nephew of Sigmund Freud. I just love the way. Right, He's and that's that's a pretty very, that's a um, very kind of style. Right, you know, it's usually score and scored to slightly discordant um, uh, English electronic music. Yeah, like post kid A type music. It makes you uneasy, but not so uneasy that you want to stop watching. Yeah. A lot of like discordant electronic tones, uh, from, uh, speaking of discordant electronic tones, uh, band wise, we have, um, thanks to the discover weekly thing. And we'll also find out that they're actually coming to, uh, that they have an appearance, well, it's very soon after the the time we're recording this, but there's a band called Seratones uh, or the Seratones, mm-hmm. which are do just kind of just loudmouth, just great uh, garagey rock and roll.
couple other bands to find out. There's um, one called Shit Present. <laughs> Love it. Like it. Misery and Disaster, and I think they have a couple other ones that are come out. This is just, and I'll put little clips in there. Just, just great loud rock and roll, and uh, and a lot of um, like bits of like indie and postcard hardcore, even like a little bit of emo in there. And then also Orbs, just O R B S. Oh, I've heard of that one. Which is again, which um, they have a song called off of an album called Past Life Regression called uh, Death Is Imminent, parenthesis, however relative, and parenthesis. Which if there was emo prog this would be it Uh, well, somewhat of an email, but it's kind of the same thing. I mean, even at the end of Sunny Day Real Estate, Jeremy Enig was really, you know, like their la- the last album before they split, well, they split for the second time, um, was kind of much more getting into kind of like an emo proggy thing. But this one is like, it's a great song that is very, that is like seven minutes long and like multiple guitar lines, but the guy still has that kind of like adeno- white dude adenoidal emo punk vocals. Okay. And I'll, I'll play a little sketch great. of it now. All right, and uh, well, uh, where can we find y'all on the internet, uh, or what you're working on that anybody else can check out for the dozens of listeners that we'll get that might yeah, may or may not hear this. My mom, my best friend, uh, you can find me on Ashes for Foxes at Tumblr, um, and I'm also on that Twitter, and yeah, uh, I'm around. Um, I am at Comrade Garrett. Uh, on Twitter, although I don't uh, uh, post that much, um, you can find me in in I'm in two bands. One's called Honky Tonk Union. Uh, www.honkytonkunion.com. I'm in another one called the Davenport Brothers. I think it's I think we're at ReverbNation.com/slash uh, either Dav Bros or <laughs> the Dav Bros. That sounds about right. Yeah, I can't remember Do you which. Dab, bro? I do dab. Uh, if you want to give me a text, it's 503-807-2435. That's still, still nothing's become of this. Uh, I've said it three times on this show. Maybe one day. Maybe one day. Um, and then 
That's it. That's my internet present. All right. And if you want to reach me, you can email the show. We're at, at givingthemike at gmail.com. We finally have a Facebook page, so please, the the, uh, the standard liking of that, that's just facebook.com uh, slash givingthemike, M-I-C. Twitter is at givingthemike, and I'm trying to think of anything else. Uh What's your what's your four chan handle? Yeah, um, anon. I I don't think I've ever actually had a login there. To see my uh, mine's Pepe six 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 Pepe. <laughs> I don't even fucking. Know. I've never you, been to four chan. You, yeah, oh, you right, need otaku. Yeah, uh, you need. Yeah, so, yeah, you need more. Uh, well, the, like, well, that's kind of. I would say that's almost. Uh, that's 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 a bit redundant when you have you know like furry anime Nazi. That kind mm-hmm. of the uh, you know, after mm-hmm. a while becomes uh, you know that's alt right just kind of. Um, just kind of. Uh, oh I'm a I'm a Pepe White Pride Sailor Moon. <laughs> I don't fucking oh know. The, the 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 Hollywood Theater put out it just uh, it did screen the Sailor Sailor Moon Sailor Moon R the sa- one of the Sailor Moon movies because it's awesome and I was is it called R because it's rated R? Um, if only no, it's no. just kind of um, they have a naming convention that's all letters, but they don't make any sense. Okay, not I know nothing about Sailor Moon except yeah. that uh, lots of uh, girls I went to high school with oh had God. like stickers and shit I'd on there. Yeah, but no. I don't even know if they really like. No, I, I watched it. all of it. Uh, I watched all of it. Anyway, yeah, I uh, I by by the time I was in, by the time anime became a thing in America, in the mid nineties, mid late nineties. Uh, thanks to Dragon Ball and Sailor Moon and mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and then Pokemon's, I was already uh, I was already at, as an undergrad going to uh, Animania or Animania, however the hell it was, but Animaniacs, yeah, Animania, Animania at which were weekly, weekly, no, took that monthly kind of like monthly screenings, uh, like once a uh, once like like oh, it was like one Saturday a month. Mm-hmm. either in Angel Hall or in the Modern Language Building in Ann Arbor where they'd have like six to eight, no, actually more than that, more like eight or more hours of stuff. Wow. That was everything. That, and That's this a was lot. Yeah, this was back in the mid-90s where like people were. That's were, a lot of anime to consume at once, in well, my opinion. You would, you, you would come, get it. Yeah, you could. It was too expensive. So you yeah. buy them at Suncoast Video. The, the box set of VHS was like $100. You're like, no, I can't do that. Yeah, so two, those the person t- that had it was the one that you wanted to uh, hang out with. Or yeah, that's when you had like, v, you know, you had VHS tape trees where like, people would record the stuff and then other people you'd send them away through the internet to people who had people who had fans uh, subtitling gear and knowledge to kind of like put these fan yeah. subs together and then they would screen that and that's how I saw like you know yeah. Miyazaki films mm-hmm. years before uh, it ever showed up on Disney's radar yeah. mm-hmm. um, and now all Miyazaki films have celebrity voices to them and are released by Disney so and they're, st- and, and they're great and oh. playing this weekend at OMSI I think oh nice yeah, cool. bam uh, all right. Um, I think that's about it. I mean, our music, once again, uh, I mean, theme per, uh, get, uh, find them on SoundCloud is the Mysterious Breakfast Serialer. That's that's his name. That's uh, awesome. At SoundCloud. Uh, thank that's you for, the dude who does the the the, uh, the main theme. chip tune stuff that you do. Yes. Okay. That's great. The main the the uh, the the opening and exit theme that we are probably talking over. And all right, well, thank you for uh, for listening, ladies and gentlemen. For a handful of you, handful of those of you listening, again, uh, if you could, um, you know, your your standard podcast provider of choice, do the like and subscribe. And usually, if you, you do actually hit the subscribe on this thing, it helps us out a lot because of animated, check that automated uh, automated algorithms and uh, and ranking things. 
But I've been Jeremy. I want to thank uh, Natasha and Garrett. Um, goodbye. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye. Editing services provided by Entertainment Unlimited. Visit us at euavp.com.